It's Zoe time. Welcome to the Zoe time show presented by hoopsandbrews.com. I will be your host for the night, Daniel Belts. I'm just going to speak on, speak on what's happened the past week or so in Lakerland um, with the East Coast road trip that we just went on. And going to be talking about pretty much all things Lakers this episode. Um, it feels good to be back to winning basketball. The Lakers are 10-7 and seven currently. We are 7th in the West right now, I believe. And with the win tonight, we're only like a game and a half back of first place in the West. Um, it's just, it's crazy in the Western Conference this year. You don't know who the hell is going to be where at the end of this season in the West. The only team you can mathematically probably already eliminate is the Phoenix Suns. They just happen to be a dumpster fire every single year every single year and for whatever reason you hear these phoenix suns fans want to say hey we have devin booker we're going to be a really good team this you hear this every year you've heard this every year for the past three years we have devin booker we're going to be a better basketball team we just drafted deandre ayton we're going to be a better basketball team josh jackson is a good player like i'm trying to actually like give them the benefit of the doubt but it's it's not been good for the Phoenix Suns, and they're basically the only team in the Western Conference you could already sort of eliminate. Um, the Dallas Mavericks are competing. The Sacramento Kings are competing. Every other team in the West is competing. The Warriors are in the mix of a four-game losing streak. It's wild right now in the West. And although when Steph Curry comes back, all of this is going to be just utter nonsense because he is the probably captain of that ship over in Golden State, but... It's interesting times in the West. Every single game is going to matter from here until the end of the season in the West because seeding, positioning, winning record, it's going to take at least 45 to 47 wins to make it in the Western Conference this year unless everyone continues to just beat up on each other and just have it to be like a weak kind of like 42-43 win eighth seed. But it's beautiful. The Lakers are actually closing out games they're winning games although every single time we try to close out a game it's utter nonsense but hey they're almost a lot of people are saying it it's um ugly wins but as long as i see a w in the win column that's all that really is needed and that's all that matters i don't care if you won by 50 or if you won by one point i would much rather us win by 50 because that means all of our players would have played well on a given night, which, in my opinion, still has not happened. For whatever reason, probably only half of the team plays well each night. It's very strange. And with regards to the young core, and I'll speak more about this later, it seems like only one or two of them are able to play good every... or It seems like only one or two of them are able to play good for the night. And they just take turns rotating who plays well that game and who doesn't. It's kind of concerning since we saw them play well together a lot of games last year i'm just hoping it's adjusting to playing with lebron and they'll figure out how to play well with each other consistently by the all-star break because in my opinion if that doesn't happen magic and palinka might look to make some moves but obviously i don't want that to happen unless it's for ad but i don't think ad is getting traded anywhere so, I would just like to see our young core play consistent night in and night out. So I can know 
that we can rely on Lonzo getting 15, 7, and 7 per night. So we can rely on Ingram getting 26 and 2 every night. So we can rely on Kuzma getting 18, 7, and 1 every night. Where we can rely on Josh Hart getting 12, 5, and 1 every night. And then you add LeBron. Then you add JaVale. Then you add Tyson. We have a... What would you say? We have a pretty deep team, and they can all come together and help us win basketball games. It's just I'd like to see it be a little bit prettier than what it is currently. But again, I'm almost to that point where there is no ugly wins in the NBA. They're just wins and losses. So I'm just glad that the fact that the Lakers are 10-7, and and I will talk more about the significance of being three games above 500 a little bit later in this episode as well. And... Before we get going, before we go any further into this podcast, a couple weeks back, I told KCP that he was trash on this podcast. I said, I never want to see KCP shoot a basketball ever again, and I've got to take that back. KCP, ha- KCP has been playing very well as of late. I believe he's at, what, three or four games in a row of getting double-digit points. Um, he's back up to shooting... from three, and he was shooting like 17 to 20% in like the first five to 10 games. He was looking like he went back to jail, and it was not looking good for him. He lost his starting spot to Brandon Ingram and Josh Hart for a couple games, and it's just, he's been through a lot for the first 17 games of the season, and it's just good to see him back to be a capable NBA player. All we need you to do is hit threes. Because KCP, you get a lot of open looks from distance. We just needed you to put, to basically get your head out of your ass, knock down some shots, and play defense. And that's what you've been doing lately, and thank you. Also, shout out to KCP because we have our closer for free throw shooting. We are a terrible free throw shooting team. But Contavious Caldwell Pope is the free throw savior on the Los Angeles Lakers right now. Currently, he's shooting a magnificent 94% from the free throw line this year. Um, He typically shoots two free throws per game, so, I mean, that's not a lot, but it's not something that you can just uh, say in a small sample size. He does hit clutch game-saving free throws. He did that for us this year. And I wanted to say we have our clutch sport agent or our clutch sport player that can close the game from the free throw line, and that's not LeBron, but it is KCP. Um, every team needs a player that you can rely on getting the ball in the closing seconds of the game and go to the free throw line and make two. Um, in Game 7 of the 2010 NBA Finals, Sasha did that for us. Um, the other night, it was KCP. Normally, Kobe would take those in the great years of his career, but in that game, he was shooting shaky, so we brought in Sasha. Um, Maybe that's what Luke Walton decides to do in the closing minutes of the game. Maybe he takes out a Josh Hart. Maybe he takes out a Lonzo Ball, who is not a good free-throw shooter from the line. Um, That would be one of the only instances where I would be okay with Lonzo not finishing the final 30 seconds of the game is if they start fouling us, then we need good free throw shooters on the court, or just have Lonzo take the ball out of the bounds, sub out um, Brandon Ingram or one of or actual um big guy. If you wanted to do like a 
free throw substitution, bring in KCP, take out our center. Um, and yeah, once the other team calls him out, put the center back in. There's ways to work around it where we can only get KCP in there for situational basketball, which I think Luke Walton needs to do a better job at. And recently he has been, so he's playing good situation, or he's coaching good situational basketball, and maybe he'll just continue that trend and it's helped. Obviously, we're 10 and 7. I'm just very excited that we're just in the playoff hunt. Um, I think all four California teams have double digit wins. The Kings are like 10 and 8. The Lakers are 10 and 7. The Warriors are 11 and 6. And I think the Clippers are 11 and 5, somewhere around there. So I think every team in California has. Double-digit wins already and an above 500 record. So I'm glad we're just not one of those teams like the Phoenix Suns or we just suck ass. I'm glad that we're keeping track with teams we need to keep track of. We've improved where we need to improve on from last year. And I just hope that this can keep going. Um, Basically, what I've come to the conclusion of is outside of playing the Cavs, outside of playing the um, Suns, and outside of playing the Bulls, every other team in the NBA right now was fighting. Uh, no one's looking to tank. Every single night, people are going to want to give the Lakers the best shot because they don't like our young core. They don't like LeBron. Um, they want to show up the king. They want to show up our young core. They want to win the individual battles from rookie classes or sophomore classes. They look at us and they see the amount of attention we get and they just want to beat us night in and night out. So it's going to take a consistent effort from the first to the fourth quarter to win these games. And I'm going to finally shut up and open my beer. Quick shout out to the Lagunitas. Uh, this is a limited release. Mozango. I've never, Mozango, I've never had it. I'm going to try it today. It's a 7.7% uh, alcohol by volume. So we'll give it a shot this uh this episode, normally I don't drink during the episodes because I normally have work the next morning or whatever, but it is Thanksgiving break. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you guys that participate in that stuff and just thankful that Lakers basketball is back. Thankful for that we're above 500. Thankful for the Black Friday deals that Lakers um, put on from their website. Looking forward to spending money on Cyber Monday as well. And I might even fuck around and purchase some big baller brand gear on Monday because I believe everything's 50% off, so might as well strike while it's hot, right? And, yeah. What else? Um, just want to give like a huge shout-out to Tyson Chandler as well because it seems he has brought along this presence of just being responsible for your individual duty. It seems like he, along with LeBron, along with Rondo, and along with Luke, have just tried to instill that into each player that you've got to produce now to get minutes. And it seems like these players are taking that into their own hands and trying. Um, you can look across the board against that game against the Cavs and, hey, we might not be there yet talent-wise, but we are going to compete as hard as we can night in and night out. If someone's having a bad game, someone else is going to step up. And that's what I like to see. It's not just LeBron going out there and winning us the game each night. It's a whole team effort, and that's what's going to be needed in the playoffs this year when we do break the drought. And, yeah.
going to get into the first topic of the night, and that's my weekly Wild Lakers hot take, and it's going to be if LeBron, not LeBron, if Lonzo plays like he did against the Cavs, where he's aggressive from start to finish, where he's not just looking to pass to LeBron every single time he touches the ball. When Lonzo runs, when Lonzo runs in transition, when Lonzo attacks, he is a great player. And if we can get that to be a consistent effort, if he can be aggressive for the rest of the year, for the rest of his career, this team is going to be a top three team in the West if he does that. Because normally teams just kind of let him shoot threes. Because to start the season, that's all he's done. Um, honestly, I don't even know like how many other times he attacked the basket. He attacked the basket, I believe, eight times against the Cavaliers, which is very uncharacteristic um, of Lonzo Ball. You saw more of that Lonzo Ball at UCLA, where he was attacking and finishing with the left hand. Um, I think he's more comfortable finishing with the left hand with layups than he is the right hand, which is strange. But a lot of things about Lonzo's shot is strange, so hey, whatever. And yes, if he's aggressive, if he attacks the basket, that just that gives us another weapon for this team to use. Teams aren't used to seeing an aggressive Lonzo. And if he does that, maybe it'll prevent, or, uh, present mismatches and whatnot um i still want him to shoot threes because obviously he's going to be he, we're going to need him to shoot effective from three because if he's not then we're just stuck with like a michael Carter michael carter williams type point guard we need him to be efficient attacking the rim shooting from three we need him to look for a shot because teams can just sag off they can do what they did with rondo when he was in boston um I loved what I saw from Lonzo against the Cavs. Not only was he aggressive on offense, he was aggressive on defense. It seemed like he cared to stay with Colin Sexton through switches. If you didn't notice, Colin Sexton shot like shit against the Lakers. Individually, I believe he was 3 of 12 against Lonzo Ball. And I believe he was guarded by um, Lonzo on 57 possessions. And he only had, what, 8 points on those 57 possessions. Shot 25%. I don't think he got any assists or rebounds while matched up with Lonzo Ball. Whereas Lonzo was a very efficient from the field goal, um, from the field and from three. He only shot two threes, made one of them. But it just goes to show he can contribute in other ways. It's just he needs to realize that he can. It might be mental with him. He is 6'6". He should realize that he can finish at the rim, that he is a bigger guard than a lot of these other point guards he's matched up with. Also, he got stronger in the offseason, so he can finish them around the rim. It's just, for whatever reason, it seemed like a mental thing where he just didn't want to um, drive the lane. And I don't care if you can't shoot free throws right now. Just fucking drive the ball. Because you might get the other point guard in foul trouble. Um, you might cause a defense to collapse like they did when he drove the baseline in the fourth quarter and two went to go to him, and then he found JaVale for the game-winning, um, what's it called? Game-winning assist, where JaVale laid that up. 
And this also happened when we played the 76ers last year when he drove four people, went on to him. He swung out to Ingram for a game-winning three. So if Lonzo's aggressive, if Lonzo's attacking, it just opens up so many other alleys for our team to play well. He just can't rely on one... He can't be a one-trick pony. He can't just be this um, full-court pass guy and then the half-court just shoot threes. No, we need the whole Lonzo ball effect. We need you to at least try. We need you to shoot. And like Luke Walton said at the end of the game, he doesn't even care if you miss. Just attack. We are better when you attack. Because, hey, maybe that opens up offensive rebound for LeBron or Ingram or Kuzma, and they'll finish that shit. Just play your role. And I'm glad it seems that Luke and LeBron kind of like pulled him in and talked to him about that. And I know Rondo probably did as well. Because he went scoreless in Orlando and only had, what, two points against the Heat? So... What, I was like, what? He averaged a point a game in the Florida road trip, and let's just never go to Florida again. Can we just get rid of them from the NBA? Because he did struggle shooting-wise in both games. I don't know. I think he was like one of ten from three in those two games. So it's just it was shaky times for Alonzo in Florida. I have a theory where last year when they went to Miami, I think for the All-Star break, um, there were rumors that he was cheating on his girl with that chick in Florida and maybe his whole psyche when he's in Florida is just shitty and he is going through some rough shit with his girlfriend I suppose maybe there's some mental shit as well but he's just got to keep his mindset correct and just be the player that all of us want him to be and what all of us see and once he's able to do that it seems like Lon or it seemed like LeBron was feeding off that energy with Lonzo the whole team was running it lets LeBron take possessions off, and then he's able to do certain things in the next possession in the half court by himself. And the main thing that I loved about Lonzo was that he attacked 1v3. I've never seen him attack when it wasn't one-on-one. -on -one. And he attacked one-on-three, believe he made it, and got fouled. Um, he also took Seti off the three-point line and dunked on him. Off of one foot as well. I've never seen Lonzo jump off of one foot and dunk. Normally, he's a two-foot dunker. I don't know if the ankle finally healed, if the knee finally healed, and he feels stronger with his lower body, but just keep it up, Lonzo. That was exactly how you should play. I hope you play like that against the Jazz tonight. And let's get into our next segment, and it's the King era in Staples. And shout-out, LeBron. You passed Wilt. Shout out LeBron, you just completely destroyed your former team in the Miami Heat. You put up 51 on their heads, and I mean, it's crazy that even though like you're LeBron James, it, it does still feel like we do take you for granted. Um, we have a player that can get 38 and 8 on any given night, and that doesn't even seem like a stretch. Like, we have a player that can do that. That is fucking insane like we have a lebron james we have a hulk and you guys don't um but yeah on the year he's averaging 28 8 and 7 which is mvp like numbers if you compare those numbers with the years he's won mvp they probably stack up um pretty close to the averages he's shot he's averaging he's shooting 52 percent from the field 40 percent from the three-point line and 74 percent from uh, the free throw line that was 39% from three and if he can keep up shooting close to 40% from three on the year that is going to be huge and he's doing this uh, 
I think my dad pointed this out to me where when he looks down, he's going to shoot a three. Like he looks at the line, step back, splash. And he's shooting very good from deep. And it's just perfect. Um, struggled a bit in the Orlando game, but everyone struggled a bit in, the, in that Orlando game. Uh, against the Cleveland Cavaliers, your former team, the team he just left to join the best team, the best franchise ever. Um, you had 32, 14, and 7. Uh, it was clear that they didn't have anyone that could, um, they didn't have anyone that could stop you. You were the clear-cut best player on the court like you are most nights. And, yeah, it's just always fun beating your old teams. That's what he was able to do with the Miami Heat and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Sorry, my dog is spazzing out currently. Um, and, yeah, you're still a top three player in the league. Those people that said, is LeBron enough to make it in the West? He definitely does look enough to make it in the West. But if we're going to go far in the playoffs, if we're going to make the playoffs, in close games, we've got to fix your late game free throw issue. I don't know what it is. You're shooting 74% on the year, but I leave, I believe under a minute left, you're shooting like 35%, which is terrible, especially for the type of caliber player that you are. It's just... Yeah, it does. I felt like when you shot those free throws against the Cavs, I didn't think one of them was going in because you missed the first one and then you were able to make the second one, but you looked up at the ceiling. I did not think it was going in. So we just got to fix whatever the hell goes through your mind during the free throw line at the end of the game because if you could figure that out, that helps us because Lonzo can't shoot free throws consistently. Ingram can't shoot free throws consistently. Kuzma can't even do that. And Hart can't even do that as well. So our best free throw shooter on the court, probably the one that we're most going to rely on, is you. Always. So you got to knock those free throws down. And for whatever reason this year, it seems like you're not getting the calls that other superstars get. I don't know if that's because you are wearing a Lakers jersey. But it is kind of weird to see you not get the calls in L.A., I've seen you a couple times look at a ref after you get contact. They don't call anything. You're like, you're surprised. You're like, what the hell? And we all have that same reaction. And then on the other end, they award some random player that's in his third year in the league. They award him free throws. And we're just like, what the fuck? We have LeBron. He's a superstar. Give him superstar calls. And then you're to give it to Jetty Osmond on the other side of the court. It's kind of weird. Also, shout out LeBron. You also picked it up on defense. There are less and less possessions per game where you just we you don't look lost anymore. You happen to stick with your man. You happen to close out now. You're playing good individual defense down low. And that's all we need. We just needed you to stick with your man in transition defense, close out occasionally, switch and guard bigs for as long as you can until that's too strenuous on your body, and then we'll figure something else out and... Yeah, I just love the way you've played recently. Um, it seems like you kind of have your season legs under you. Um, 10 and 7 is, I think, a better record than the Cavs and Heat first years where you've gone to them. So things are looking positive in LA for you. You're going to pass up a lot of players stats-wise. Um, you already passed up Wilt. Mike's coming up. Um 
you're going to be joining a lot of exclusive clubs that you're only going to be a part of. And that's tremendous for you, the person. And yeah, I know um, my Twitter page, Zotime Podcast, follow it if you haven't. Um, we probably, I probably don't give you the love that you deserve nightly. Just, I don't tweet every single time you do something good because my fingers would never leave my phone if that happened. I'd be just doing, LeBron did this, LeBron did that, LeBron did this, LeBron did that. Plus, I can rely, us Laker fans rely on you. We already know that's going to happen. So it's kind of like we're not shocked when it happens, so like that's not the shock value. When Lonzo hits a three, we're like, okay, when he hits two, that's a shock value. When he hits three in a row, that's a shock value. But when you do it, it's um, it's normal. <laughs> it's strange. You're You're one of the greats. You're probably top two, probably top one all time, and it's just, it's crazy that you decided to choose us. Hopefully, 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 hopefully our young players reward your faith. And I believe they're going to do that. And I believe they're going to help you get a championship again before you retire. Um, but yeah, let's hope you get that win tonight in Staples. We're going to be playing more games at home now. Um, and let's just hope you continue to have the positive effect that you have on it seems like LeBron is a very good, um, how would you call it? He's a good player that will give you like a nice, it'll give you a pep talk in like the nicest way possible. I believe he's one of the most passive, aggressive superstars of all time. So he's going to tell you that you need to step the fuck up, but he's going to do it in a positive way. He's very passive, aggressive, and like he's been his whole career. And yeah, so let's get into the next portion, which is the big shit popping and the little shit stopping portion of this podcast. And I always start with the negative, and that's going to be the little shit and young court and inconsistency. I hate it. I I don't like it because for whatever reason, we just can't all put it together. Like Ingram and Kuzma will have a great game. Lonzo and Hart will be just trash or... Josh Hart shoots amazing, and then Kuzma and Lonzo just blah. Or Lonzo plays very well, and then Kuzma and Hart are just blah. It's very strange. We can't all get four of them together. The game, we get four of them playing well together, plus LeBron. We're going to blow the hell out of somebody. Because you can already count on JaVale to get his close to a double-double. You can already count on Tyson Chandler to get you like four points and ten rebounds. You could already count on KCP coming in and hitting free throws. You could count on Lance doing crazy shit. So there are things we can count on, but we can also count on the inconsistency of the young core, which leads other players to do more, and I don't want that. I don't want to stress out LeBron's body for winning games in November. I need the young core to step up and win those games for him so when April comes around, he can go Super Saiyan in the playoffs and just wreck motherfuckers. And that's what I want to see. Um, also, I forgot to mention this in the Lonzo hot take, UCLA Lonzo. Um, he played 36 minutes against the Cavs last night, or not last night, but whatever night that was. And that's, I believe, the most minutes he's played this season because he was aggressive, because he was attacked. If you play how Luke Walton wants you to play young core, 
He will reward you with the minutes. He will reward you if you buy into what he wants, if you play well. So we need you to be consistent because all of us will stop bitching about Luke Walton's rotation once a young core steps up. And, yeah, so, ooh, shit, the Cleveland Cavaliers beat the Philadelphia 76ers. And a lot of you guys said, well, Lonzo only played well against the Cavs because they're the Cavs. Well, hey, they just beat your media darlings, the 76ers, so shut the fuck up. Um, and that brings me perfectly into my next little shit stopping portion is the NBA media hates the motherfucking young kids while other young cords get a pass. If you hadn't noticed, there are a ton of those people that will get the jokes off, get their um, analysis off, get their um, harsh sayings about our young core when they lose. And they will just fucking pop it off. If we lose, you can already guarantee you're going to see trade Ingram, trade Lonzo, trade everyone for AD. You're going to see... This dude's Michael Carter-Williams. This dude's um, Justice Winslow. This dude's um, a poor man's uh, Jimmer Fredette, which people have called uh, Kyle Kuzma a power forward, Jimmer Fredette. Um, they hate when the Lakers win. So when they lose, they feel all empowered to say all this fucking negative shit. But you don't see them rewatch the game and ridicule other young core, you, I have not seen one of you checkmark dip fucks go rewatch a Celtics game where they lost and just ridicule Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. Or go and do that for Ben Simmons and Embiid. Or go do that with Donovan Mitchell in Utah, who, by the way, Donovan Mitchell has a losing record this year on his team. By the way... Celtics have a worse record than the Lakers. So I just need you guys to keep this fucking consistent because I see a lot of you go out there and get your fucking jokes off, get your takes off. Like, oh, I was correct. Lonzo's Michael Carter was. I'm like, bro, look at your own fucking team. You're a Celtic fan and your team is 9-9 with all of that talent on your team and your shit? Nah, fuck out of here. Like, keep it consistent and keep that same energy. If you're not... I don't give a fuck what you have to say because it's evident you guys have this Laker-hating agenda, and it's just, it's funny. Because we all see it. Um, like what, Hardwood, Paris, some, I don't fucking know. Just HP Basketball. Fuck that guy. It's just obviously hilarious. He always stays off the timeline when the Lakers win. I've never seen him tweet positive shit. When the Lakers win. It's hilarious. But the moment they lose, he pops up like a wounded chick that knows she got to knows she caught you cheating. And she's just gonna go off on you. That's what he does when the Lakers lose. So it's just I need that same energy from everybody. And once we get that, our complaints will stop. But until that happens, which it never will, even when it's funny when they have this revisionist history as well because they like to downplay Kobe's dominance in the 2000s, in the early 2010s, especially this Tyler Conway guy. He talks so much shit on Kobe, yet he's from fucking Philly. I'm like, bro, Kobe beat the Sixers in the fucking finals. You guys haven't made the finals since then. He won three championships after that. 
what the fuck are you watching? What were you watching? It's just, it's crazy how much of this NBA media just likes to ridicule certain Lakers aspects, but it is what it is. We are the most successful franchise since the 70s, which has been most of the span of all of their timelines. So, hey, you guys can get those hate off. We'll get the rings off, and it is what it is. And the last portion of the little shit pop, a little shit stopping thing is Josh Hart's injury. Um, I'm not sure if he is cleared to play. I will check that right now. Um, but he hurt his ankle against the Cavs. He did come back and finish the game, but we still don't know if he's playing tonight. I'm gonna check real quick on my phone while we do this. And just going real quick. Josh Hart is available to play tonight, so we are fully equipped besides Rondo's hand. So it'll it'll be interesting to see how we monitor Josh Hart's ankle because we are normally very cautious with our young core's energy or injuries, but we will see. Now let's get to the big shit portion of this segment, and that is already talked about it a little bit, but aggressive Zoe. When that happens. We're going to be a very good team. You heard Ingram talk about it. You heard LeBron talk about it. You heard Kuzma talk about it. You heard Luke talk about it. I imagine Magic Johnson would be talking about that as well. It is funny, though, that when he plays very well, the next day is, what, Thanksgiving? So you weren't able to hear any of the fucking first take people talk about it. You weren't able to hear anything else. They just silence. It always seems that he does well the next day. It's like... Nothing on TV, but it is what it is, and we'll just take it in stride. Um, the 10 and 7 record, first time since 2013. I will drink to that. It has been five years since we were three games above 500. That is too long for a spoiled Laker fan like myself. I grew up in the Kobe to Shaq years, I was a high school student during the Kobe and Pow days. So I've seen them win. I've been able to watch and understand what's going on on the court when they win. I've been able to talk shit to my friends, to people I don't like when the Lakers win. Not a lot of people can say that unless you're a Laker fan like myself or you like the LeBron teams or Spurs or now the Warriors. So not a lot of people can say that they can do that. And for us to not be three games over 500 in five years, that was sad. That is a sad mark on our franchise. But those days are gone. We're 10 and 7 now. Um, hopefully we keep climbing. Hopefully this is like what a month from now or two months from now I can say we're finally 10 games over 500, maybe even 15. And that'll just be fantastic because I really believe we're making the playoffs this year. I really believe we can get close to 50 wins, especially once um, February rolls around and teams start tanking. We'll pick up some easy wins after that. If we could keep to six to seven games over 500 until January, we're going to go on a incredible run post-All-Star break like we did in 2012-2013 when Kobe and company 
went on this like 15 and 5 win loss record before he tore the Achilles. So you just love to see it. You love to see Laker basketball in the top eight in the West. You love to see Laker basketball beating teams they're supposed to beat. You love seeing Laker basketball compete with the very best in the West. Um, we've beaten the Blazers twice. Great. We lost to the Spurs twice, which is trash because we should have won both games, but we just decided to fumble the bag in both of those. The only game we looked completely out of sorts was the Orlando Magic game, and that was just trash. Um, but yeah, I, I can't talk about it enough because the last five years, even though all of us Laker fans have stayed, all of us Laker fans have watched, it was just, it was hard saying, hey, I'm a Lakers fan, just because I live in California, most of us Laker fans do live in California, they would just talk about the Warriors, they would talk about the Warriors dominance, they would talk about KD, they would talk about Steph, they would talk about Dre, they would talk about Clay. They would just laugh at the Lakers and say, ha-ha, you won 17 games this year. But we, you guys won't be able to laugh for much longer. Um, we might be able to surprise some people in the playoffs this year. And I just love the fact that we're on the up and up now. Hopefully it's like that for the next 10 to 15 years so I don't have to go through another five-year stretch where my favorite basketball team is trash because... My favorite football team is trash right now, but I don't care about the NBA, or I don't care about the NFL as much as I do the NBA, so the Lakers are winning. It's not like it, it impacts your life that much, but it's just, it's like an added bonus. It's like, hey, the Lakers are winning. It's cool. And for us diehard fans, it might impact us more than we like to let on. But, hey, we're going to keep climbing this mountain. We're going to hit Everest with this team. LeBron is going to win his fourth NBA championship with the Los Angeles Lakers. We're going to hit 17, and hopefully we hit 17 before the Celtics hit 18. And then once that happens, oh, us Lakers fans are going to talk so much shit. And the next portion of this big shit popping thing is it's basically it's been a team effort, and I love that. It's Everyone is positive with each other. Everyone's stepping up. No one's throwing each other under the bus. This isn't the Thunder. This isn't the Sixers. This isn't the Wizards. This is a team that seems to be gelling, getting tame chemistry. Um, like, they don't care who closes. They don't care who scores all these points. Um, Jesus, Kemba Walker is just fascinating. He needs to get out of Charlotte, though, because he's too good of a player to be stuck in a terrible franchise like the one Jordan owns but you heard Lonzo say the other day he doesn't care about getting points he just cares about wins you heard Ingram basically say the same you heard Kuzma imply that as well and it's just dope these young kids also with the vet like Rondo who doesn't care if he starts or comes off the bench um, JaVale and Tyson don't seem to care who starts or who finishes you don't KCP, who was a starter, who has been a starter for almost every year in the league. He doesn't care that he's coming off the bench. You have Lance Stevenson, who normally gets more minutes than what he's getting, getting less minutes this year. You have Michael Beasley, who normally gets more minutes, not even get a single minute per game almost. These players are putting the Lakers first, and that is tremendous. And I think Magic has a big impact on that as well as Luke. Luke is a great players coach. It seems like he knows exactly what to say to each player and it's just cool to see. Um, for those of us Laker fans, it didn't feel like this with Byron Scott. He was too hard on the team. 
Um, no one respected Mike Brown. D'Antoni was an idiot. So it's been a while since we've had a coach that is kind of like a player's coach. I believe Walton learned this from Kerr and Phil Jackson, who are under the triangle-ish type coaching mold with Zen with each player as well. So it's just cool to see. Um, hopefully this doesn't change. Hopefully they continue to preach t team over individual efforts. No one's really under a contract year right now besides the vets. And the vets already know what they probably can get next year. None of our young core is with, or none of our young core is in a contract year. So it's not like where Randall was kind of like, eh, with Larry Nance last year because Randall wanted to show what he could do in his contract year. And he definitely showed it. We definitely should have given, the, given him the bag, but we didn't. That's a different story for another day. But we don't have any of that here right now. And it just seems like this team has each other. Sorry about that. Has each other's back, and it's going to be just great to see for the rest of the season. Now let's get into the player segment uh, portion of this podcast, and we're going to talk about two players today. They basically play the same position, and that is Kyle Kuzma and Brendan Ingram. I'm going to talk about Brendan Ingram first. Um, you've heard a lot of hate about Brendan Ingram the past couple weeks. A lot of people don't think he was deserving of the number two pick. A lot of people don't think he should start on this Lakers team. A lot of people think he should be traded for Beal or whoever. Um, but, like, Brandon Ingram's dope. Like, I like Brandon Ingram. I think he is tremendously skilled. It's just he needs to learn the correct way to play in 2018. I believe if Brandon Ingram was a player in the 80s, 90s, he would have been an all-star this year probably because he has the finishing ability around the rim and the mid-range game that was needed back then. Playing with LeBron this year, we're going to need Brandon Ingram to shoot more threes. Come on, Kimba. Damn. Kimba missed a three to tie against the Thunder. Fuck. Um, but with Ingram now, he needs to be a catch-and-shoot player because... He does get the ball in a lot of wide open positions, and then he over dribbles into a tough shot, and that's what can't happen. We need you to take the shots in rhythm. Don't overthink. Don't over dribble. Just take what the defense gives you. That's what a lot of our players need to realize what to do. Josh Hart is perfect at taking what the defense gives you. Lonzo doesn't yet. Ingram doesn't yet. Kuzma's almost there. Hart's all the way there. So we're going to need Ingram and Lonzo to take what the defense gives you and just take advantage of that. They're giving Ingram and they're giving Ingram a 18 to 22 foot whenever they catch whenever he catches the ball right there, they're basically daring him to shoot. He has to shoot those. Once he does, it's going to open up so much more of his game. Once they understand that he can knock that down, they're going to have to go out to the three-point line to guard him then he could drive pot, drive by and either take his mid-range shot that he loves to take or finish at the rim. He is a player that you can look at season by season. It does take him a while to get accustomed to what the hell is going on. If you look at his rookie year, struggled in the first half, finished well in the second half. If you look at the second year, struggled in the first half, did very well in January and February until he was shut down for injury. 
when he gets going, he plays fantastic. It's just us Laker fans, NBA media, people that watch his shit, just got to be patient with him because he is a late starter. He will come around. He will figure this out. I believe LeBron and Luke got to sit him down and be like, hey, watch film with him. Rondo's probably going to be doing that as well. Rondo, Luke, and LeBron, and Magic got to show him, hey, you're getting the ball here. What do you think is the best thing to do right here? And that answer has to be shooted. He has to take advantage because if he doesn't, this whole this whole thing is not going to work out. Same with Lonzo. We need these players to start taking what the defense gives them. And I believe Brandon Ingram misses Brooke Lopez. And I don't think that's shocking. Brooke Lopez stretched the floor for us so well last year to where Randall was able to finish at, around the rim at ease. Kuzma was able to do those hooks, finish the rim with ease. Ingram was able to finish at the rim with ease. This year, we don't have a floor stretcher since LeBron won't play five. So that means we have JaVale or Tyson out there every single time. And unless they're the ones giving the, the pick, it's not going to work out well because a seven-footer is going to be in the lane contesting Ingram's layup, and that's not good. Ingram thrives one-on-one finishing over the smaller defender, but if there's a seven-foot error seven-foot big in the vicinity of his area, the likelihood of that shot going in isn't that well. But on the season, Ingram's still averaging 15, 4, and 2.5 assists per game. He's shooting 45% from the field, 33% from three, and 69% from the free throw line. We're gonna need those all to rise. I need Ingram to be at 38% from three. I need him to be 75% from the free throw line and hopefully 48 to 50 from the field altogether. He definitely has the talent to do that. Like, if you watch him play, like, he'll struggle for a quarter and the next quarter he'll be fantastic. He'll make all these game-changing plays. And it's just he needs to put that together for all four quarters. That's what LeBron can help these young kids figure out is how to put it together for four quarters. That's what we all need to learn together. And I believe LeBron is one of the greatest players at being consistent from quarter one to quarter four ever. Like in the history of the NBA, he is always consistent. He always gets to his averages, his stats, and normally wins games. But some positives about Brandon Ingram. Defensively, when he's matched up one-on-one, he normally makes it very tough for the opposition to score. If you look at the game against C.J. McCollum, if you look at the uh, last night's or the Cavs game, whenever he's matched up with whoever, he makes it tough. He makes it tough for a lot of people to score on him. And that's just great because if he struggles on offense, he can at least provide that on defense. And I believe Luke will keep you in the game if you're struggling on offense as long as you try on defense. What Brandon Ingram needs to improve on on the defensive side of the ball is fighting through screens. Our whole team needs to do better at that because Lonzo plays very good on-ball defense, but he lets the screen kind of take him out, and JaVale and Tyson don't really come up to the point guard to kind of take away that 15- to 18-foot jumper that a lot of point guards like to shoot. And that's how a lot of these opposing point guards that face us get their shots, is when the big doesn't come out to close out on the switch, and Lonzo and Tyson are kind of in this, like, um, no man's land where Lonzo should have fought more through the screen and the big should have came out to guard the point guard a little bit sooner, but it just happened. 
our team needs to fight through screens better, and that's it. If Brandon Ingram can do the following, shoot these catch-and-shoot shots that you're that the team is giving you. Take those, make those. That's all we need to see. Fight through screens on defense. That's all we need to see. Make a little more higher IQ um, shot attempts during the game as well. Um, Brandon Ingram definitely has a little bit of Kobe in him, and what I mean by that is he'll pump fake and then shoot it right after. Um, when if it feels like the first time Brandon Ingram would have pumped or gone up when he pump faked, that would have been an easier shot than the one after the pump fake. But I love that it seems that Brandon Ingram has this fire this year, this drive. He seems to care. He wants to be out there. He wants to win. This is just great that for the first two years, he kind of looked passive. This year, he does definitely seem to care out there. He does scare the hell out of me, though, when it seems like he's going to square up on somebody just because he's already got sus gotten suspended this year already. And if he does push someone or take a swing, I feel like it's going to be a bigger punishment than the one he got originally. So it's good that he's a, our enforcer. It's good that he's showing his passion. But sometimes you just got to like keep that in check. And I hope he can keep that in check for the rest of the year because he is a great guy. I don't want to see him suspended because... Luckily, most part, what, we're almost 20 games in and none of our young core has gotten hurt. The only time that Ingram missed was due to that sus suspension. So, hey, the longer we can go without one of our young core missing a game, the better. And I don't want to see it happen in any certain way. And a suspension would definitely hurt that. And I definitely do believe Brandon Ingram has all-star potential. I definitely believe he can fulfill that in L.A. It's just it takes time playing with LeBron. It takes time learning what to do when he's next to you. A lot of our young kids like to defer to LeBron because he's LeBron fucking James, and that makes sense. He's the greatest player of all time. But they've got to start saying, how did uh, Pavi and I were talking about this today? He kind of said, our young players kind of say, kind of have to go fuck LeBron. Like, they got to do it individually. Not like fuck him, but like just say, you know what? I can do this. And that'll show confidence. And hopefully that'll show results. Uh, next player is going to be Kyle Kuzma. Um, Kyle Kuzma offensively started the season off hot. He had a like 36-point game against the Spurs in which we lost. And that was, I thought that was like his fuck it, I'm here moment. But like since then, kind of struggled a bit offensively. And he's definitely struggled a bit defensively. Uh, he is averaging those 16 points, 5 rebounds, and 1 assist per game. Shooting 47% from three, I'm mean not from three, 47% from the field, 30% from three, and 75% from the line. Those numbers are very bad, and I'm going to tell you why. A lot of Kuzma's baskets this season have come off of cutting. And there are a lot of easy baskets that just take a quick layup. So knowing that, that means a lot of the other shots he's taking, he's missing. And the big eye-opener is him shooting 30% from three. He is a really good three-point shooter. He can space the floor. He needs to get hot and figure it out from three because that just stretches the defense a little bit more. That lets Lonzo attack the rim. That lets LeBron attack the rim. That lets Ingram attack the rim. A rim. And we've seen it from Kuzma. We've seen games where he just shoots lights out from three. Kuzma, when he's hot, is one of the quickest... He's one of our best scorers on the team when he's hot. And I want, I want to say even in the league because he can definitely shoot and put up points with the best of them when he's on fire. 
And I just need to see that spark from Kuzma again. Uh, it seems that, like, with, all right, so with our team, if you're not putting up points offensively, you need to be a positive on defense and try. Although Kyle Kuzma is trying, he's still not putting it together defensively. So when he struggles on offense, he's going to get taken out because he can't play defense. And I love Kyle Kuzma. I believe our team has a lot of strengths that will kind of help each other's weaknesses. Like maybe Kuzma's offense will help Lonzo's lack of offense. Lonzo's defense will help Kuzma's lack of I think we're great at masking other players' weaknesses. It's just when Kuzma's struggling on offense that bad, he's going to get taken out. When Lonzo's struggling that bad on defense, because normally he's very good on defense, but there's been a couple of games where he just looks nah, on defense, so Luke's taking him out. And so that applies to Kuzma as well, but you just flip it with offense and defense. I definitely do think that Kuzma is struggling adjusting to playing with LeBron because Ingram and, Ingram and Kuzma were both high-usage players last year. This year, obviously, it's LeBron with the ball in his hands most of the time. So there is a little bit of adjustment period with him. Like this year, we haven't seen him take a lot of those running hooks. We haven't seen him do a lot of spin moves out of the post. We haven't seen him kind of go up with it in the mid-range. We've only seen him take wide-open threes and wide-open layups, and then he tries to get his own shot for like random parts of the game. But we haven't seen him do it like for a while. And that's part of the thing where I say these young guys need to just say, you know what, I can do it as well. And once that three-point shot increases, once that defense increases, he's going to be getting 32 to freaking 36 minutes per game. I believe, I don't think any of our young core is um, is bad. Like, I think they all have the same amount of potential to be very good. I rank them basically as even as you can with all of them together. Because um, they've all shown something. They all definitely have NBA talent. It's just they're all inconsistent. So if you're going to call out one player for being inconsistent, you got to call all of them out. Hart's inconsistent on the perimeter defense. Lonzo's inconsistent shooting the ball and scoring-wise. Ingram's inconsistent with his decision-making and shot-making as well. Kuzma's inconsistent with his defense and shot-making at times. So if I'm able to be consistent with every single player, so should you guys. So should the entire people that watch the game. So should the entire people that grades the games. It's very easy to see that we do struggle with certain things. But what they can do great and what they will do great for many years to come should not be downplayed. This young core is definitely talented. Good God. Watching Giannis run the floor in the fast in a fast break situation is just fantastic. But again, back to Lakers basketball. Sorry, I'm just distracted. NBA TV's on while I'm filming this or recording this. We have five minutes till the Laker game starts. I'm going to give a quick game prediction on the Jazz-Laker game coming up right after this Kuzma segment. But I need Kuzma to get into that Antoine Jameson type role already. Just because Kuzma is an older player, an older second-year player, and I definitely think he can become that, I need Ingram to be closer to Scottie Pippen than what he is right now. I need Lonzo Ball to be closer to Jason Kidd than what he is right now. I need Josh Hart to be closer to Bruce Bowen than what he is right now. And hey, if that all happens, championship season's coming. That's all I can say. Once this young core clicks, 
once they all click individually and with the team, watch out. We're going to be hanging banners left and right in Staples Center. You're going to be seeing a lot of parades. I will definitely attend every single parade that the Lakers throw out. I attended the last one in 2010. What I try to do, I try to be as unbiased as I can when I speak about this Lakers team. I can't help it. I am a huge Lakers fan, and I'm, I'm not going to hide that. I'm, a lot of my takes, a lot of my thoughts, a lot of my opinions are seen through purple and gold glasses, so I'm not afraid to say that. But it is what it is. It has been a great time talking to you guys tonight. I will be live tweeting this game on Zotime Podcast on Twitter. Follow that. Um, follow Hoops and Brews as well. And until the next time we speak, go Lakers. Now,